You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. I'm your host, Fatima Al-Sayed. On this weekly talk show, we invite experts to take us through their journeys as professionals in their fields. If you have any questions for our panelists, make sure to ask through our Inspire platform on the Emoja app. Um, and today's show, we would like to welcome Bushra Tahan. She's a 25-year-old um, chemical engineer. Um, she's a, an engineer in training, actually. And she'll tell us why we have to say that in a moment. Um, she did two years of co-op before graduating and then did eight months um, in the cosmetic manufacturing industry. Uh, Bushra has extensive co-op experience, um, which she tells us is very valuable. Um, and we're going to hear more advice about that later. Um, and now she's actually working as an engineer in training in preventative Preventative Maintenance and Technical Services. That is a mouthful. Assalamu <laughs> alaikum, Bushra. How are you? Walaikum salam. I'm doing well. How are you, Fatima? I'm doing very well. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I love to see female Muslim women in these types of fields, especially when we don't have many of them. Yeah, women in STEM. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> um, can you tell us how you started in your career? What inspired you to choose this career path? Um, so... Honestly, I when I was in high school, I really enjoyed math and I enjoyed uh, physics and uh, chemistry. Um, and what really pulled me towards it is I looked into the different fields where you can use uh, these <laughs> these streams, right? Mm -hmm. So. I looked into them and I realized that engineering was a great path for me because it was somewhere where I can look into problem solving, which is what I enjoy doing um, versus like when you're looking into, for example, chemistry, you look into uh, deeper, more theoretical things and I wanted uh, hands-on stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I was in high school, I looked into the field of engineering and realized that I'm really enjoying where this would take me. Um, and I looked into the different streams of engineering and realized, you know what, chemical engineering is for me. I think that enough, like I can do well in this mm -hmm. field. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Like, why did you decide that this was the right fit for me? And how would someone else be able to figure that out by knowing, um, you know, what they like and what they don't like? So initially, I was looking into uh, civil engineering and chemical engineering mm -hmm. um, and the different courses. You can look it up at the universities that you want to attend yourself and they'll go through exactly what, uh, you know, each course entails, uh, what you'll be studying. So I would recommend doing that. And then you can look at the different streams of work that you can work eventually after you graduate. And I think that's super important, um, particularly when you're looking into the kind of stream of engineering you want to do where do you see yourself or what do you enjoy doing? Do you want to draw drawings? Do you want to, you know, um, stamp papers? Like what is it that you enjoy? Right. Um, so what I did is I looked into the different fields. I looked into the courses and I looked into the different, uh, places that I would end up and realized I liked manufacturing more mm -hmm. than I liked, um, construction. <laughs> I know the application process isn't very extensive in Canada. So what advice would you have someone who is applying to um, a field, a degree in engineering? A degree in engineering. Mm -hmm. I would say first, um, first look at what you're good at. Uh, you, there are a lot of things that they require initially, and it does mm -hmm. take uh, resilience, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but that's with anything. Um, maybe take a look at the maths 
Do you enjoy calculus? Do you enjoy problem solving? Um, and then when you're ready, I would look into the universities, what their requirements are, what do you need to take in high school in order to get into university? And this mm -hmm. is something that you should start doing in grade 11 because they do have prerequisites okay. to grade 12 courses, right? So um, that's something that you can start doing in grade 11. Uh, and when you decide which kind of engineering you want to do, um, then maybe they have particular courses that you would take. But in my experience, almost all engineering's just require uh, chemistry, physics, um, calculus, and your maths, your functions, or whatnot. Okay. Interesting. Um, so when you were going through this process and you applied, um, and then you got in, uh, was the program when you went in and started studying, was it hard and difficult or was it a little easier than you expected? Because there's so much, I think, uh, like, oh, if you get into this field, especially at Ryerson University, it's going to be the hardest thing of your life, right? So can you tell us a little more about what your experience, your college experience was? Um, <laughs> so initially, when you start, it's a little overwhelming. There are a lot of students that you start off with, especially in class. You go from being in a class with maybe 25, maximum 30 students, to a class filled with anywhere from 200 to 300 students. And um, it does take resilience and patience and hard work uh, because your first year is going to be difficult. I was taking six courses every semester in first year. Wow. Um, and that's something that you, you're not used to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but you do find that, that the system filters people on its own. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're determined and you're studying and you're working hard, you can get through it. That's what I would say is just keep your head in the game. Um, and it's okay to fail. It's okay to, you know, not do well initially, but keep your head in the game and continue to be resilient um everything takes hard work and no one's everyone's going to fall down at some point but just learn to pick yourself back up mm -hmm. that's such important um advice thank you um can you tell us how important co-op programs are because you're a bit ad big advocate for that yes <laughs> so i would say um there's internships and there's co-ops i would mm -hmm. if your program doesn't have a co-op integrated into it, I would say also do an internship. I think mm -hmm. they're super important. It's super important to get something on your resume before you graduate. That way, when you are applying, you have like a head over um, okay. other applicants, right? And you have some experience, you know, uh, you learn what you like, what you don't like, what fields you want to do. Um, you know, in my case, I did cosmetics, uh, I did water treatment, I did pharmaceutical, and I learned, you know, what I like, what I don't like. Um, you know, especially in the chemical engineering background or in engineering in general, there are so many things that uh, branches out in your stream of studies or different mm -hmm. things that you can do when you graduate. It's kind of nice to maybe check something off. Oh, I enjoy doing project management, for example, or I don't enjoy it. You you can get that feel when you have done co-op and what you want to apply to after you graduate. Take us through your um, co-op experience. So uh, co-op initially is very difficult to find. It's like graduating without experience, mm -hmm. um, except you you don't have a degree yet. And okay. you're, so you're against, under underqualified. Exactly. <laughs> and you're competing against many other students that want the same co-op job. Um, so I would say even after you've graduated, I would give this advice is 
step your foot through the door. It doesn't matter what it is that you're working. As long as you get your foot into the company, that's when eventually you can say, um, you know, talk to people around. So my first co-op experience, I was working on a manufacturing line, a makeup manufacturing line for about three months or so. Um, Tell us what that is so that people know. <laughs> How difficult. Yes. Makeup manufacturing line, like any manufacturing line, is it's just an assembly line. You're like spending eight hours putting things together. In my case, I was either like litting makeup lids or um, making boxes to package the makeup in. Like just eight hours on end, I was watching the clock pass by. I hated it, hated it so much. But um, during Time that, always goes slower when you're watching it, right? Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> slow. <laughs> but during that time, um, on my breaks or um, during lunchtime, I would go walk around mm -hmm. and, um, you know, kind of walk into the labs, walk into the manufacturing area, tend to talk to people, tell them about my curiosity, tell them, hey, listen, I'm studying uh, this, this and that. Um, I would like to know, do you need an extra personnel in your area? I would love to learn and I'd love to, you know, work with you. Mm -hmm. um, so do you kind of network in the area. You've stepped your foot through the door and there are people there that you can talk to. So I networked and I ended up needing someone who needed an extra person in their lab. It's the pilot lab. Um, and I ended up doing about four, four, five months there in their pilot lab, which was That's great. Um, and then you did an internship after that, correct? So uh, after that, I had a summer in between my uh, my courses, my semesters, mm -hmm. um, and I did four months at a water treatment plant. Actually, mm -hmm. I got that position through networking as well. I knew a student who had worked there and she recommended me and I ended up getting the position after I interviewed. Um, it was great. I did a lot of uh, more project work there. And then mm -hmm. I did another semester and then went and did an internship at a vaccine manufacturing company for a year. Um, and that was very interesting and I learned a lot there too. Um, is networking difficult? I think initially for anyone, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, it can be difficult. You don't really know what to talk about. You don't really know how to approach someone, um, you know, tend to go on tangents or you tend to stutter. Um, but I would say practice makes perfect. A lot of our schools have networking events. They have networking between students. They have, um, a career uh, guidance counselors, <laughs> career counselors, um, and they can give you advice. They can, you know, set up interviews with you. Uh, and those are th things, those are skills that you would need to work on. Networking is a skill in the end of mm. the day. Um, and practice makes perfect with any skill. Yeah. And you're always going to stutter and you're always going to be nervous, but it's okay. I was ask, is it intimidating um, walking up to people who are in higher positions or maybe positions that you want to be in in the future um, and telling them, you know, this is who I am? Um, I think initially it is intimidating, but the way that you need to look at it is at one point that same person was in your position mm -hmm. and they're a great person to go to and talk to and learn about their experience and learn about how they got to where they got. Mm -hmm. um, and it'll be hard to initially start the conversation, but these people tend to be um, very kind and uh, very helpful in uh, giving you advice. Mm -hmm. um, and people generally like to talk about themselves. So as soon as you start asking them, they want to talk and they want to give you the advice. Nice. Um, I want to know a bit about your experience in crafting resumes um, for yourself within this industry. 
because I know that can be another intimidating thing. You know, it's the most tedious thing, I think, putting together your resume and trying to fit it to each job. Um, how does that differ for the engineering um, field? So uh, as well, like networking, um, writing up resumes is a skill and with practice, it gets better. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, every university has a career center that you can go to and they can initially help you write out your resume. Um, and that's important because every time you want to apply to a job, you should be changing your resume to fit the job description. Mm -hmm. And like I, practice makes perfect, you need to fit it. And with engineering, uh, a lot of technical um, writing skills is very important when it comes to uh, your resume. People want to know what you did and how you helped. You know, they don't want to know that, oh, I, um, you know, I, I wrote out this thing for this project. Mm. Well, how did that benefit the company? Why was your presence at that company helpful? What did you do? What did you learn? That's mm. what you should uh, have on your resume. And that's what highlights you over other people. Yeah, that's very important. Um, you have to focus on what you're able to contribute rather than focusing on just what you've accomplished, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, can you give us more smaller tips, like more specific tips on uh, what people can add? I know you said that um, you have to change your resume for um, every job application to suit the job. Um, do you know, I mean, it can be difficult when you don't know the hiring manager, right? Or what they're going to think of your resume. Um or what you have to add on to it. So what more specific advice do you have? Um, so every hiring manager will have uh, different preferences for your resume. And there's not one perfect resume that you're going to come across because each person has a different opinion. But I would recommend if you're not Elon Musk, maybe just keep it at one page. You don't <laughs> have that much experience. Um, I promise you that. Uh, <laughs> no one wants to know <laughs> two pages of what you've done. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to know what you did for four years at Shoppers Drug Mart in my yeah. case. <laughs> but um, try and keep things relevant to what you're applying to. And that's mm -hmm. what I would say is go through the job. You want this job, go through every description. What are they looking for? And try to make yourself be that person on the mm -hmm. resume. And that's what will stand out is the time and effort you put into each application will stand out above everyone who's not putting that same time and effort that you are. Mm -hmm. Your current position is in preventative maintenance. So can you take us through like a day in the life of your job? Uh, so every day is different. I do uh, more monthly preventative maintenance and generally preventative maintenance is uh, just kind of maintenance that you do on equipment that's used in manufacturing to upkeep it. So for example, if you have a car, um, you know, you need to regularly change the oil to upkeep your car, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing for um, equipment, whether it's small equipment or big equipment. For example, the manufacturer of the equipment will tell you, you know, this filter needs to be changed out every six months. So that's mm -hmm. something that you need to, or your team needs to be aware of when that piece of equipment comes on site and you start using it, that filter needs to be changed out every month. And we have thousands of pieces of equipment on site. So you okay. can you can come to understand. Easily forget. Mm -hmm. work. <laughs> yeah. So my day-to-day -day can be, you know, working with trades on getting the work done or uh, reaching out and uh, responding to emails from mm -hmm. uh, different people on site because you have the equipment and it's running, but sometimes when you want to do maintenance on it, you have to shut it down. So you, okay. need, to, you need to contact uh, 
equipment owners and let them know, hey, this is coming up. We need to do this kind of work you for your schedule. It. <laughs> exactly. So um, what you would do is you would coordinate that um, and you would figure out what kind of work needs to be done on that equipment, how much time it's going to take and who needs to do that kind of equi equipment maintenance. Um, and then so these are the types of emails that I would respond to, as well as there are certain types of work that are trades on site cannot do. So you would mm -hmm. reach out to outdoor vendors, outside vendors that would come in and do the work for you. Okay. So I would also respond to emails or reach out to vendors like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, you have your meetings here and there with different teams and your team or, um, yeah. <laughs> Does it ever get repetitive or do you just enjoy every part of it? Um, for the meantime, I'm still learning. There's a lot okay. of there's a lot of maintenance that's done and it's all very different. Um, and all the equipment uh, is, is, is different and it, um, it has different kinds of work and I'm still learning what this kind of work even means. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when you do look at it and it tells you, okay, this filter needs, it's never actually filtered that needs to be changed out. It's much more and it's a list. Oh, that's so funny. And it's sometimes it's overwhelming to read it and be like, I'm sorry, I don't really understand what that means. And then that's when you go to people and you ask them questions. So it's like you're trying to troubleshoot your printer that won't like do anything that you tell it to do, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, what's something you wish that you knew before getting into your chosen career? Um, I wish I knew that it's okay to ask questions. Always ask mm -hmm. questions. Doesn't matter what the question is. Always ask questions. Uh, don't be afraid to look dumb in meetings or whatever. Um, it's better for you to ask the questions than to feel um, dumb or feel like, mm -hmm. you, like you don't understand. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, they all know that you're a new graduate and it's okay. And it's also okay to not like what you initially started with. Um, okay. There's time and you have time to grow and time to change and it's okay to you know get into something uh figure out you don't like it and then move on and go somewhere else um but what i would say is before you move on make sure that you've learned what you need to learn because learning along the way is the most important part mm -hmm. um, and it's okay you have to push through learn um and you're going to struggle a little but keep going. It gets better. And you're slowly going to learn what you like and what you don't like in the end of the day. Now, something that is interesting is that you can't officially call yourself an engineer until you get your professional license. So can you tell us um, what the process of become, officially becoming an engineer is? So we can start with the university. You okay. need to go to an accredited university. Mm -hmm. So in Canada, they have, uh, every province has its own rulings. Um, but in Ontario, uh, we have the Professional Engineers of Ontario. Mm -hmm. And they have rulings and guidelines. And most of Canada generally uh, follows the same rulings and guidelines. Um, but for us, the university that you need to go to needs to be accredited for engineering by uh, uh, Professional Engineers Ontario. So once you graduate, um, you can submit four years of work experience. Mm -hmm. It has to be engineering related and it needs to be signed off by someone who already has their license. Uh, so you need to be working under someone who has their license. You submit it, you do a, an exam, a law and ethics exam, and then mm -hmm. you can get your license. But officially, before you do that, you cannot call yourself an engineer. So on your resume, I can't write out that I'm an engineer. Okay. Um, what do you say, just engineer in training? 
Yes. So okay. um, I am registered as an engineer in training with Professional Engineers Ontario. So okay. if you're not registered, then you can't call yourself an engineer. What do you put on your resume then? Engineer in training. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or yeah, you can put engineer in training and then you hmm. put um, whatever title you're working as. Okay. Um, but it tends to... You know, student, an engin- engineering student? You can't. Right. No, you, you can't, can't as well? Oh, Actually, wow. I don't think you can actually. Oh, interesting. The, the word engineer is kind of like taken. <laughs> so it's you, like. You don't have the right to use it. It's reserved. <laughs> yeah, it's reserved. It's kind of like trademarked, you know? <laughs> That's so funny. So, yeah. Um, so in my case, I'm registered with Professional Engineers Ontario. Um, and I am I can officially take my exam now. And slowly, uh, every year, I can submit um, my yearly work that I've done mm-hmm. so that, you know, in the end, I'm not just submitting a whole list of uh, four years of work that I've done. So yeah. year by year, I can submit it. And they also have like a uh, networking events that you can attend, um, you know, career counseling and people you can reach out to. So they also have uh, guidelines that can help you out in the future. That's amazing. So you said that um, when you when you apply for this, you I mean, when you're registered under this, you can use the years that you were studying as years that of experience. Or so how does that work? So yes and no. So I work two years, but I can only submit one. One is the maximum of co-op experience that you can okay. submit into your four years. So then when I graduate, I have three more to go. Okay. But that makes it a little easier, right? It takes away at least one year out of, of, of your life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you still have um, to write out those experiences. Yes. Um, oh, this reminds me in our pre-interview, you gave us an amazing tip um, of like, when you're on the job to take away those important um, experiences that you've learned. So can you tell us about that? Yeah. So uh, what I would say is every time uh, during your job, uh, I think it's important for you to write out all the different things that you're doing and what you've accomplished and what you've learned um, as you're going through the, through your job and through your position. And this will help you um, in your future when one, you're submitting those experiences and two, when you're applying to other fields or you can reference it and, and look at the different work that you've done. It's like a summary of accomplishments or summary of learning. And I think it's a great thing to have. Mm-hmm. And that's something we haven't heard before on the show, which is amazing. Um, you know, it just makes sense. And I don't know why um, I haven't heard it yet. <laughs> um, can you tell us a bit about how Islam has helped you on your road to success within your career? So um, I think a lot of uh a lot of the times, like I said, it takes resilience and it takes patience to get through anything really in life. But mm-hmm. for me, uh, it was a lot of hard work and a lot of stress. And especially when you come to closer to finishing off your degree, you have a lot of projects coming up, a lot of labs and writing and learning and application of the different things that you've learned throughout your years. It can get a little difficult. Mm-hmm. Um even when you're applying for jobs. And the one thing that really helped me get through is one salah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think always connecting with God and knowing that he's there and um, and and having tawakkul for, with him, right? Mm-hmm. There's always tawakkul and you rely on God and you have this connection. And that's what really helped me get through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that comes patience. Okay. Um, I think salah, tawakkul gave me patience to okay. get through things and the resilience to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think that that was the number one thing that I think religion came into play when it Mm. came to my degree in my career 
That's amazing. Um, it's so important to always keep uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the forefront of everything that we do. Um, you know, we, we live through his blessings. Um, how do you stay on top of your salah um, when you are in a corporate um, industry? Um, actually, I have very, very understanding co-workers and it's great. I've been blessed uh, a lot with it. Um, so I wake up in the morning anyway around Fajr time. So I pray mm -hmm. that. Um, but Dhuhr and Asr is always hard to catch, especially mm -hmm. if you have meetings or whatnot. But uh, I don't personally have an office because it's an open space concept. But mm -hmm. I have talked to my manager about um, possibly borrowing his office when it's time to pray. And it's so cute. I told him that. And uh, as soon as like he asked me when prayer time is and I told him and he was like, as soon as like prayer time hit, he came to me and he was like, Bushra, do you need the office? Like, I know you. Need <laughs> That's so sweet. Like, yes, I do. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> um, That's but, amazing. Yeah, so he was very kind enough to give me his office to pray. Um, mm -hmm. But it's happened before where, you know, I didn't feel comfortable asking my manager, but I would find like a corner or something and I would just mm -hmm. pray quickly. Well, not yeah. quickly, but pray. Yeah, but like, you know, discreetly. <laughs> discreetly, exactly. Um, During my break. And um, yeah, but for think, example, in, my, in the cosmetic industry, they had a prayer room and everything. I was just going to say, do you think that we should um, work towards, uh, you know, advocating for more prayer rooms within these um, spaces? Because, you know, we're not the only people that pray, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's already something that's already being advocated for because uh, the company that I work for right now, they also have a prayer room. It's really far. That's why I asked okay. for my manager's office. Yes. But they have a dedicated prayer room. And uh, the company before I, I worked the manufacturing industry, they also mm -hmm. uh, had um, a prayer room. So it's a great thing that you can advocate for. I think uh, generally they don't say no or they mm -hmm. can provide you with an area that you can pray in. Yeah. Um, is there any times where you, within your industry, I mean, for example, in the journalism industry, I can speak from my experiences, um, when I was doing my internships and on several jobs, you would get invited, um, to go out with the team, you know, for that dinner or for that, uh, um, you know, uh, after hours or whatever it is that, that they <laughs> go out and do. I've never been, so I don't know, but, um, sometimes we feel like we're missing an opportunity, right? To get to know the team, to get to know these people, to maybe um, further ourselves in our careers. So how have you ever experienced anything like that? And how do you find a way to um, sort of, uh, you know, make up for that maybe lost opportunity? Um, so a lot of the times, what's nice about my team is they're very understanding. Um, and you find that a lot of teams, they like to go out and drink yeah. or they go out and they go to bars. Um, and that's not something that we're able to do. But um, a lot of the times they will go out to dinner first. Mm -hmm. um, so at the dinner table, I would tell the team like, oh, I don't drink alcohol and I would prefer that it's not served while I'm here. And they're very understanding about it. And um, they But are, it can be difficult to actually put yourself in that position or feel like I have to tell everyone, please don't put drinks on the table you know it's amazing that your team is so understanding do you think that can be done everywhere i i don't think that it can be done everywhere i've never mm -hmm. experienced a team alhamdulillah that yeah. um, is not understanding but i don't think that it can be done everywhere and i think what's most important is that you are 
communicating and networking with your team mm -hmm. on site. And I, th okay. I think now it's a little harder because some people are working from home. Mm -hmm. But when you are communicating and building your relationship with your team on site, maybe then it will help you. But I do understand that um, you can miss opportunities. Yeah. Um, but I, from my experience, um, when you are, when I do go to the dinners, for example, there's not a lot that you miss that you can't get in make up for at work at work right you can just mm -hmm. talk hey how's your daughter doing show me pictures yeah. um you know what did you do over the weekend uh, that kind of mm -hmm. stuff just coffee talk and um i'm sure i'm sure when they are at their bars they're not discussing yeah lost to them anything. yes no i like that a lot because you know it's something that um i've heard a couple times from you know younger students who are going into um these kinds of careers that are very i think um heavily focused on this type of uh, social um, gathering, right? So it's uh, sort of sometimes difficult to find your space or your spot. Um, I mean, your place within that space. Um, so that's an amazing piece of advice. We're almost at the end of our show, but um, I would love to hear if you have any um, final remarks and then get your final piece of advice for our listeners. Um, final remarks. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely say find something that you like, you enjoy, find what you're good at. Um, and it's going to take you time, but it's okay. You'll get there eventually. Um, as well, like I'm still trying to find what I like, what I don't like. Um, and there's a place for everyone, I think. Um, so for example, when I did project management, I knew I really enjoyed that. And I yeah. liked doing that. And I liked working with my hands or finding out about different pieces of equipment. So figure out what you like, figure out uh, what area you like. It's okay to not like a certain industry, but try it out. Um, and as a young person in your career, you should be moving every two to three years, your position you should mm -hmm. be applying and always apply. And even if you're comfortable in your position and you like it, that's the point in time when you should apply because that's, that's when you get to be picky, right? Okay. If you like your position, you can be picky now when you're applying to other jobs. Mm -hmm. So you're not desperate for that next job. Exactly. Mm, very smart. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your career experience and all the advice, um, your valuable advice today. Thank you for having me. Oh, it was my pleasure. You were just listening to the Umentor Talk Show. If you miss this show or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the Umentor website. Thank you for tuning in today.